0: Hello and welcome to Scott Rock, where your hosts, from Climb Scotland, Robert McKenzie and me, Callum McBain, catch up with climbers every two weeks who have different epic tales to tell us. We hope you enjoy the show. And remember, when you're out climbing, be safe and do your buddy checks. Cool, right, Callum, do you want to
1: introduce it, introduce the idea
0: or do you want me to do it? Yeah, let's... Yeah, let's go for it. So, the idea of... of the, this is actually one of my favourite ideas for a podcast ever. Purely because I'm that annoying person in the car that sits and argues with people on climbing trips and plays devil's, devil's advocate all the time. Oh, so constantly. Like I could back country. that up. That it's constantly. Every road trip, he's just yeah. winding me up.
2: Yeah, it's annoying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How do you think she feels? She yeah. has to put it all the time. <laughs> constantly. Um... So, basically, the idea of this podcast is we invite, like, two other climbers. So, we've got Robbie Phillips and Rebecca Drummond today. And what we do is each person comes up with a question or a statement that they think is controversial. And then we'll spend 15 minutes on each question or statement and all kind of just, like, go for it and, like, argue a little bit. And hopefully... See, what I want is, like... If you don't know the question in advance, you'll get like a really unfiltered opinion. So hopefully we all say like really
3: controversial <laughs> things. <laughs> this is the end of my climbing career. All my sponsors will drop me after this.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Say something <laughs>
3: bad.
0: <laughs> Once they find out who you really are.
3: <laughs>
0: Shit. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's the kind of premise for the podcast. We'll try to do these like every like five or ten episodes or something. Um, and hopefully get like a range of different questions and a range of like different climbers and different backgrounds on, but maybe to get started, should we all so we don 't really know the specifics of each other 's questions, but I reckon do we give each of ours like a personal rating of how controversial they are, and then we stay, start of the least controversial, then end with the most
2: uh
0: yeah, okay, I like that
2: okay,
1: so uh mine is uh the idea that the on-site is the purest form of climbing I believe is rubbish.
0: So mine is <clears throat> should pegs be replaced with bolts when they fall out of trad routes? Just
2: when they fall out or if they're looking kind of sketchy too?
0: Yeah, like when they look really bad or they've already fallen out or...
2: Um, And mine is should indoor climbing be seen as its own entity and stop being compared to outdoor climbing.
3: Cool. Uh, Mine is just generally looking at controversial uh, ascents um, and climbers throughout history. You know, I guess asking the ultimate question, do we, what, how much proof is needed to validate an ascent?
1: Okay. I'm going to say that out of all those four, mine's probably the least controversial. The rest of them I can see as getting into some mega arguments. So do you want to start with mine then? Okay, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, Yeah, I think definitely mine's the least controversial. So Hmm. this is kind of following on from an old Alistair Lee film uh, on site where... You know, in the film, they've got really famous climbers, Neil Gresham, Jerry Moffat, James McAfee, uh, Leo Holding, Ron Fawcett was in there. Uh, and they're all talking about how the old school idea of ground up on sighting is the purest form of climbing. Uh, and that, you know, the idea that head pointing or red pointing is cheating, really, uh and for the, you know, the on-site gives you the unknown, it gives you the pure adventure, it gives you the uncontrolled nature, so they are arguing that it's the the purest form of climbing. But I disagree. I disagree. Uh, how do you guys feel about that?
3: I would like to know why, why you disagree first.
1: Alright, okay. So, I... I don't believe that the on site is the purest form of climbing because climbing the, the the idea of climbing in my head is is the movement side of it and I don't believe that anybody has ever on something and climbed it perfectly. There's always mm. improvements that can be made there. Uh, it is the on site is the purest form of adventure. It's the purest form of adventure climbing, I suppose. Yeah. But as just climbing, I think the on site is, is not the purest form. The red point and the repeat are the purest form because they perfect the movement side.
3: Yeah. So your measure is based on on like oh I mean your measure is based on how uh, how you measure purity basically you know whether it's the how perfect you climb the route or whether you base purity on you know the style of the ascent like I guess that you could argue purity is like climbing you know that the purest form of climbing on uh you know alistair lee's version of purity would be like on-site soloing it barefoot naked yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to get down to brass tacks here you know that is essentially yeah. you know that is the purest form of climbing um so yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> i totally see where you're coming from robert i I guess um, I would probably be more on uh, Alistair's side because that's how I would uh, measure purity. But I, I mean, I, I mean, it's just what your definition of purity is in the climbing, in the climbing sense. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for for me, it's not the 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 definition of purity. It's for me, it's the definition of what the climbing is. If you're if you're talking. The purest form of trad then yeah sure the on-site comes into it because trad is that adventure climbing side um and the on-site there is the purest form of that adventure i suppose but if yeah, you're thinking yeah. like for for me when i heard that it was just well climbing is the movement and the actually the, the getting from bottom to top regardless of how many times you've tried it before and the purest form is the t- is the time where you absolutely nail everything. Yeah. And that, I don't think anybody's yeah. done that on the on-site. Yeah, totally. But you
2: can't, what's pure for someone isn't like pure for somebody else. Like you can't define somebody else's experience on something, if that makes yeah. sense. Like yeah. who who cares if someone on-site it or not, if... If that's not your preferred method of climbing, then it's not your preferred method of climbing. You're not going to find it as, like, inverted commas, pure for yourself. Whereas if someone is, like, really into on-site adventure stuff, then that is obviously going to be the purest form for them. But this comes down to, like, personal opinion, really. It's, like, the same when saying something's, like, more... Impressive, really, I guess is a different word for, like, pure, like, oh, they on-sighted that, therefore it's more <coughs> impressive, but ultimately, like, who cares in which style they did it in, as long as, like, they're doing it for themselves, like, yeah. no, nothing is no style is more impressive than the other, like, someone, say, like, Adam Ondra on uh 7C, not that impressive, <laughs> like, probably not that, like, and, but... Watching, uh, like, a woman that's been projecting it for, like, two weeks finally send, that's going to look impressive. Like, and she's probably had that, like, that pure fight on it, whereas the, like, mega, mega strong persons just kind of, like, walked up it, probably not had, like, a, a pure experience, not had, like, this battle. Yeah. So it's so... yeah. Object like subjective as to what your experience is whether something's like pure or not.
0: Then you have yeah. like that subjective question as well. Is it more impressive to see someone like gracefully float up a route or someone like absolutely like yeah. head falling back in every single move? Yeah. Like which is like the better ascent? Well, I think it depends like, you, as want... well
3: because it depends. Like if some you can, you can have somebody who like grace you know like gracefully climbs a route, but it's at their absolute limit. You know, like when Andra climbs silence, or you know when, or not even when Andra climbs silence, but you know when somebody climbs at their absolute max could be six B, six, eight B, you know nine B, whatever. But they hit every hole perfect, in flow. Every move is perfect. Every body position is perfect and in sync. And you know, it, it's like a really flawless performance. That, in a sense, is is really pure as well. You know. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's like, for me, I think that's where my arguments come in from. Like, from my own experience, when I, when I go out climbing, if I on site something and just shake my way up it and uh, I get things wrong and I know I've got things wrong, I get to the top and I'm like, Whoa, cool, that, like, tick that, awesome, happy, but I could have done that better. Whereas if I come up and climb a route that I, I've tried a bunch of times, but I absolutely nail all the moves, I feel so much better when I get to the top. Because the, the experience really? <laughs> has been Well, the experience has been more flowy and pure to me. Like it, I love about, the
2: ones where you not like say, absolutely claw your way to like, the top.
0: Is that not have you not got like a sport climber's opinion on this, Robert? <laughs> that that definitely sounds like a dirty sport climber. He is a comp climber at <laughs> the end of the day, isn't he? It's his
1: background. Hey, you can't use the comp climbing against me. Competition <laughs> climbing is all about the on site.
3: <laughs> I actually I actually honestly I really like Robert's uh one of his initial statements where he said it was more about like the discipline so for example you know trad climbing predominant you know in his, historically trad climbing was about the on-site so perhaps in trad climbing that might be more you know pure for an on-site but then again you could argue that that depends on the area you go to because you know on in scotland on-site trad climbing was is and still is like the thing Whereas yeah. uh, if you go to somewhere like the Peak District, you know headpointing is more probably you know considered like more pure form you know to like headpoint something, get it dialed in, in that type of trad climbing. But then if we take sport yeah. climbing, I would argue that you know, I mean even globally, I would say that climbers are more you know about the the red point projecting, the maximal level, and the same thing for bouldering. Whereas winter climbing it is definitely much more about like, it's pure, it's always on site, you know, there's, like, I can only think of like yeah. one example where somebody has actually put a top rope down on a winter climb and you know, that, um, you know, that's pure adventure and the purity of winter climbing is all about the ground up pish, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So yeah. Okay.
1: I, I like that. So like the on site is, is not just an overarching thing for climbing. It is kind of discipline specific. Like you said, for trad climbing, on-site is potentially pure because trad climbing is about that adventure. That's part of it. But for sport climbing or bouldering, it's about the pure performance side.
0: And to get the highest performance, that takes practice. I disagree a bit, right? Cause in a, I also disagree. Right, in a sport climbing context, this is a classic. Like If someone said to me they consistently on-site 7A and then another climber was like, oh, but I've red pointed a 7C... I think I would I would think the the seven A on site climber is a better all rounder. But like I think that skill set of being able to on site even at a lower level is more impressive than like just being able to work one route. And that's still well, right, another. Why would, like a why sport would, why would that
3: make them a better all rounder though? Because on sighting is a skill as is red pointing and the mental uh you know pressure that you put on yourself on sighting is different to the mental pressure you put on yourself when you're red pointing. Like, I know for a fact that when I go to a crag and try and on-site something, I on- honestly, I, most of the time, I have, like, no preconceptions. I just go give 100%, and if I on-site, I on If I don't, I don't. Whereas red pointing, for me, has always been a little bit trickier because I put more pressure on myself. However, I have seen the direct opposite of that. A great example is, you know, Mr. You know Neil McGeekey on his on-site of Dalriada And in his head, when, yeah. you know, to... to to pop because he put so much pressure on himself to try and onsite that route because he built it up for so long. So I kinda think that it really depends. There's more
0: pressure on it like so basically I think I'm kind of a bit biased because I definitely think site climbing is like I would disagree for Robert, I think on-site is like the king. But it's because like an on-site is super ephemeral. Like you get one opportunity to on-site a route and you could never again in your entire life do you get that same opportunity again. Whereas like a red point, fair enough. Like it, you put pressure on yourself to do it, but it doesn't really matter if you take ten goes or a hundred goes in a red point. Like a red point is just a red point. But... Yeah,
2: nobody cares if you've done it a second go or third go yeah. or fourth go. It's all just a red point. But then but then it goes
3: back to the same question that we asked initially, which is like, how do you measure purity? And like, what what is your idea of purity in climbing? If your idea is it's purely about the movement, then Robert's idea is right. If it's about the experience, then yeah, you guys are right so i think it like yeah it depends
2: yeah and then and there is this like kind of opinion that trad climbing like you were saying that trad climbing should be done on site and that's the kind of like yeah that's like the best kind of style for trad climbing but ultimately who actually cares like how you got up to the top of this bit of rock like some people do care (laughs) trust me yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. well, I like,
0: can i like can i pull in all the gear on the way up and yeah just, like, yard as long and as you're not and... like
2: lying about it like i don't i don't care you could go yeah like rest on every bolt, be super happy with it but i, I suppose, don't care
0: like that okay to, to as a bit of a counter argument to that like there's a bit of an i think like the ethics in our country have grown up around like the context we live in so we live in a place with not much rock and like a lot of people and I think a lot of our <laughs> ethics have been built around trying to preserve the rock and not damage it. Yeah. So I think the ethic of not falling off is partially because well, people didn't fall off originally. But also if you fall off a lot, you end up wearing out gear replacements and all that sort of thing. And But
2: that's not why it is anymore. Like you get, like people would give you like a funny look for throwing top ropes down trad routes that have been on sighted and things like that, because if they've been on sited they should be on sighted kind of thing. But ultimately if the person wants to top rope it first so be it leave him to it but i think that's regional
3: i think that's definitely regional as well because if you were to argue if you were to have that point of view in northumberland say for example then you would it would not be a very good point of view because you risk damaging the tops of the the crags because the sandstone's so soft oh yeah everyone's constantly top roping roots then you're going to damage the root you know like there's examples of other climbs where you know like in northumberland where the sandstone's softer if repetitive use over many many times you wear the holds down Uh, and so again you know like it's yeah for sure in
2: in those cases but uh, yeah definitely in those cases but more like the funny looks for just generally top roping as opposed to just going for it rather than the funny looks for yeah doing something bad that's going to damage the rock which is very much legit
1: cool Mm. I'm not sure we reached a consensus there. I don't think there is a consensus.
0: No. I think it's just <laughs> I
1: don't
2: think we're gonna reach a consensus on any of these. That was a good nice. starter
0: though. That was like the little kind of like appetizer to get us Warm all kind up. of warmed up. Yeah. Ready for um the main meal, which is who's who's gonna go next? What question? Sure. We do, we do bolt we do okay, right. Let's, let's go I, bolts. I want to paint a picture of mine first before the question comes. So <laughs> There's a brilliant, like, a four-star E5. That amazing climbing, like, total classic. Like, every every kid that gets into climbing puts it on their, like, their wish list that they want to do that when they grow up and get older. So they're protected by two pegs in the middle, hard climbing. Eventually, the the two pegs are placed in, like, the 80s or the 70s, or whatever, when it was first done. But now, in 2020, the pegs have both snapped or they've both fallen out. And the climbing is now... It used to be well-protected E5. Now it's like E5 climbing with a groundfall from the crux. like you would die if you fell off it, like total chop route. So what do you do? Do you leave it as it is? Do you replace the pegs, or do you replace the pegs with bolts?
2: I Need some more info. Where is this route? Uh, are we talking like a beautiful crag kind of route, or are we talking? Are we up in the mountains?
0: It's like a mountainous single-pitch crag. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Mountainous
2: and... There's there's mountainous and... Yeah, there are.
0: Deliberation would be a bit. Whoa. Ooh. And I'm assuming, also, in this question, I'm assuming that there's not any gear that's, like, behind the broken pegs. Not so even,
2: like, really bad gear.
0: Nah, just, like, they've, they've, they've broken off.
2: Then where did these pegs well, go? I
0: mean, well, they're just, like, hammered into a crack.
2: Yeah, so there's a crack. So nothing can go in this crack. Nothing. Yeah, you t- nothing. you're
0: telling me that a little micro cam can't fit in that peg scar?
2: Or, like, a little wi- like a couple of little wires. Like, nothing that wiggle. wouldn't
0: be, like, purely psychological. <laughs>
3: I mean, I had an experience Ooh. like that, actually, on uh, The Cobbler, <clears throat> on uh, Wild... Not, I'm not sure if it's Wild at Heart or Wild Country. I think it, I think it's Wild at Heart. It's the one that goes up the yeah. E7. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the the pegs up there are just, like, rotten, absolutely rotten. And uh, I didn't want to fall off them. I did take a fall, actually, but I didn't... But there was one in, one or two in particular at the start, just kind of as you were going into the harder climbing and I'm pretty, I'm like 100% confident they wouldn't have held. Um, But when they were first placed, it would have been great. And I wouldn't have thought anything off, I would have just like smashed up there. And so I actually posed that question to Facebook. And it actually resulted in the largest discussion I've ever had (laughs) on social media. And I barely said anything, I just posed the question. And it was just like, bombarded with opinions left, right and centre, there was you know, sport climbers saying we should just stick a bolt in it. There was, you know, staunch, you know, you know, like trad climbers saying, you know, a Scottish trad climbers saying, don't replace the goddamn peg. And uh, you know, also people saying, you know, oh, we should be able to replace pegs. I kind of don't know where I stand in it. I know, I know that from um, my tra- I've travelled extensively, you know, and climbed in areas where ethics are very different and uh you know climb somewhere like australia or the u.s and uh they would definitely have routes that are a mix of both trad and sport and a route like uh a route like that would 100 percent have a bolt in it you know they would stick a bolt there and it would be a solid fixed thing that you know never never changed and uh it would be safe for that one section of the route and then and that would be it it's quite nice i can see
0: the i can almost i can see the appeal when people say oh just um if the bolt snaps go go replace it with another bolt because it's kind of like for like but and then but but the same people get really annoyed with the idea of putting a bolt in but it, it like a peg still damages the rock yeah like yeah. It's almost. I don't really. Is there that much of a difference between replacing a peg for another peg and just drilling a hole for a bolt? Because I, like I, when you I, hammer yeah. a peg in, it damages the rock. And when you drill a hole for a bolt, it also damages the rock. I'd say I think pegs that are worse.
2: It'd be okay to replace mm, to replace pegs that are already there with bolts, but I wouldn't want it to open up this kind of like. Oh, if you're putting up new roots and you come across a spicy bit that you're then allowed to kind of like chuck a bolt in. Like, it. I don't want to see like hilties being dragged off into the mountains for new roots. Yeah. Like I think if they yeah. bolt if the pegs are already there, replace them with bolts. That's that's fine. It's not any different a uh, bolt versus a peg, except it's like nicer and safer and doesn't need to be replaced all the time. Um, but I don't want to see new bolts or pe- like new bolts in the mountains.
0: But can you put new pegs in the mountains? Because then you have this like vicious cycle of like. If you put a peg in now, you someone's going to have to replace it in 20 yeah, years. totally.
3: And then also you open up the thing where people can put more pegs in as well. You see this in Yosemite yeah. all the time, right? So like uh, a crack uh, going up like a seam or something, and it just has loads and loads and loads of two-finger pockets all the way up the crack. Um, and that's because people are hammering in pegs. Some people who are less confident in others will hammer more pegs in some people are more confident, won't hammer as many pegs in. But at the end of the day, every time you hammer a peg in, you make a little bit more out of that little yeah. uh, scar. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it becomes a hold. And I could see that happening, you know, in the mountains. I could see someone, you know, you know, the first ascensionist may have like hammered in a couple of pegs. a repeater may have put in like, may, you know, maybe uh, they felt they wanted to put another peg in, you know. Or maybe you need to replace the pegs. So they take the pegs out and they place some more pegs in, but the hole gets larger. So it kind of creates a new hold. I mean, at, at least yeah. with a bolt, it's there. And uh, with a bolt, you can actually remove bolts and, you know, replace them in the same place. You can do that. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's options there. And it, doesn't, it, it always can be the same, really. Are we
0: building a bit of a controversial consensus here that... Uh... Oh, absolutely not. With bolts. (laughs) Absolutely not. I have not spoken yet. (laughs) I have not spoken yet. Okay, actually, to be fair, like a bit of clarity, like if a peg falls out of a root and it doesn't change the grade that much, even if there is no gear where the peg is, I think it should be left. The only time I think you should replace a peg with a bolt or peg or whatever is if the root is like totally either unclimbable or an absolute like death route without that bit of protection there.
2: But who are you to say it's not climbable? Yeah. It's not climbable yeah. for you, but yeah, like, it's the same with putting in new pegs or new bolts. If you think it's run out, maybe that's not run out for somebody else. Maybe you okay. are comfortable. Right.
0: Okay. We've yep. all got this in camera and quoted. <laughs> Becca has now got to trad every single route at upper cave from now on because <laughs> he's like, he's traded them. This guy's traded them as possible. And you don't, you don't want to climb it. So, well.
2: Yeah, but the bolts are already in. I'm saying pegs that are already there can be, I think, can be replaced with bolts, but not... Um, oh, dear. Not um, So new ones.
1: I have not spoken yet. I'm coming down hard line. No replacing of the pegs. No bolts. The pegs that were put in there 20 years ago were put in with the equipment that they had, it had at the time... And the only way to protect that line was to put a peg in. If they didn't need to put a peg in, they would have put something else in. Uh, So the pegs were only there because they didn't have the equipment to to do it. And that peg scar, you know fine well that a little micro cam can fit in a peg scar. Even if it's just as a bit of confidence, even if the gear is rubbish and it's going to pull out. Uh, A little micro cam can fit in that peg scar. So when the peg eventually comes out, when the peg eventually comes out, the peg comes out. If you start throwing bolts on on rock like the Americans do, there's no end to where all the bolts will end up going. You know, somebody thinks yeah. oh that used to be a peg scar. I'm going to throw a bolt there just to make this safer, or this is a really hard crack, so I'm going to throw a bolt in. So I don't think. Or bolts this is are... a new
2: route, and I can't find a belay, so I'm going to bolt a belay because it's not safe, kind of thing. Yep. But
1: yeah. So I don't think bolts. I don't think bolts are appropriate on trad routes, uh, and even if the grade goes up because there's no peg there and that micro cam is rubbish now, the grade goes up. That is that is trad climbing. It, just because it is too hard for some people, yeah, because it's too hard for some people doesn't mean it's too hard for other people. Yeah, It just means that that route t- gets taken off the tick list of, of some people's climbing. Yeah. Not the end of the world. And I don't think they should be replaced. I don't think the pegs should be replaced with other pegs because that
0: Then damages the rock even further. So once that peg falls out, I think that's it. The thing is, I think you, I think both of us have a sensible opinion. I think either you don't replace pegs at all, like you're saying, and you leave Mm -hmm. stuff as it is, or if you want to replace pegs, it has to be done with bolts. But the problem is, everyone always kind of gravitates towards the middle ground and ends up putting in like repegging things, and it, it like doesn't make any sense. It's like some sort of weird like dichotomy where no one can really well it's not a dichotomy like people just end up going in the middle instead of like going to one extreme and you kind of end up in this kind of stuck position this is why this They're argument like always stuff. comes up and people always end up re-pegging stuff
2: because no it's... one can decide
0: partially what we should do is we're all the younger generation this was the older generation that gave us this problem by using pegs so goddamn much if they hadn't used so many pegs we wouldn't have to have this argument right now yeah
2: <laughs> Is it the same in like kind of in low-level crags? Like, if you've got a venue which is a mix of bolt like sport routes and trad routes, yet some of the trad routes have pegs on them, what would you do? You say those pegs can't be replaced with bolts too?
1: Are you thinking like Dunkeld? Yeah. So I Dunkeld think Dunkeld's the, just a got... good
3: example of a place where bolts seem natural, like it like a natural thing to have there. It's like a sport crag. You get the sense of that place being a sport crag.
1: Uh, well at Upper Cave and Myopics yes because they're sport crags but yeah. at Polney, that is all trad and you've, you know you've got the classic route of uh, the wriggle, the rut, the groove that all use that peg at the start if that peg were to fall out that move round the bulge and pulling onto the slab is scary and almost death uh, if that peg were to fall out I don't think that should be replaced with a bolt I don't think that's excusable
0: i think what would happen is goes like up quite a bit but hey ho that that's such a yeah. classic like vs route i think it mm. almost like if in a week i guarantee you someone would be up there hammering in like another peg and then you yeah. just end up in this situation which robbie describes where it gets re-pegged and gets re-pegged and re badly and it's just like then the rock gets really damaged yeah so
2: should we but just on- go and start chopping any pegs that get replaced then is that what we're saying is that well, <laughs> so, uh,
1: by, the, by the same argument, if you were to go, right, well, I'm going hardline. I'm going to throw a bolt in. Some old schooler is going to go up and cut your bolt off. Yeah.
0: But then the problem, okay, like, I'm definitely playing devil's advocate because I'm not, like, a big fan of bolts. I just want to, like, promote a bit of discussion. But, Robert, like, your opinion of, like, die-hard, like, anti-bolts. Why shouldn't I just go take all the bolts at every single sport route in Scotland, according to your opinion?
1: Uh, so I, I'm not anti-bolts. Let's let's just get that one clear. I'm not anti-bolts <laughs> at all, okay? But on existing uh, well-established trad crags, bolts are not appropriate. The only time where I could like even begin to argue uh, bolts are for anchors, like abseil anchors at the top of crags that you cannot walk down. Uh, because then you know over time everybody uses the same placements as the anchor the the gear gets trashed trees get trashed boulders get moved whatever whereas if you throw some bolts in it's a lot more long lasting but that is only excusable if you cannot walk down even if the walk is like 45 minutes around the back of the hill i don't care don't be lazy
0: does that mean we have to bolt the end pin well the end pin's got a chain (laughs) on it anyway you don't need bolts well yeah
3: true (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean i would say like there's a lot to be said for i actually agree with robert entirely on on this point um i think there's a lot to be said for the traditional nature of scottish climbing and i've actually never been anywhere in the world which which like, holds so true to its uh traditional ethics as much as scotland does um yeah. and uh, i actually think that should be uh fundamentally like what we hold true to uh at the crags in scotland because you know like you can go to america and experience bolted trad routes. you know like you can you know same in australia and all over europe you know like the occasional boat here and and all that sort of stuff but for like pure adventure and like experience scotland's where you you have that and i think that yeah we should respect that
0: yeah 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 I like that. Uh, I think that the, the ethic of like turning up to a mountain route and no one actually being able to tell you were there mm-hmm. is like a big positive of our kind of upbringing and climbing. Yeah. I just think it's a shame that pegs have kind of marred it so much and we end up with this dilemma of replacing them or not. Um, although I'm going to I'm going to come down as well. And Robert, despite wanting to play devil's advocate for bolts a little bit, I'll come down with you guys as well that. Yeah. But I think we shouldn't replace pegs at all. I think we should just like scrap replacing them. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think that. Too. Absolutely.
3: I and mean, we scrap, scrap placing them in the first place.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No more placing them as well. Yeah. 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 Right. That's uh, it.
2: If we're not, just, if you're not allowed <clears throat> to take, yeah, like Hilties up and place bolts, then I don't think you should be able to place pegs either. It's just the same, really. Yeah. Except that, kind of worse.
1: Does that just mean that uh, the Scott Rock podcast has just condemned all the old school climbers <laughs> that have pe- pegs? But I think in. like what you
3: said. I think what you said was right, <laughs> right earlier on, Robert. That they just used the gear which they had at the time. Gear has evolved since then, and we've got new more options. Um, <clears throat> I don't, th- and also the level, the climbing ability has increased massively. I don't think pegs are ne- that that ne- not necess- not maybe not necessary anymore. I mean, there's op- yeah. places you could have them. And it'd make things safer, but you know, if you want to like really hold true to the ethic in Scotland, maybe we just need to scrap the placing of pegs altogether.
0: I, 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 I'm for that. I think it's a dan- like last point to finish on, bit of a dangerous one. Uh, talking about the equipment we have at the time, because uh, I think we all have hilties, don't we? <laughs>
1: That's <No>. true.
2: Yes, <laughs> I, I do. I do not.
0: I do not.
1: I do not have a hiltie. I'm not as bad as you lot. <laughs>
2: But then, yeah, bolting. If we're talking about bolting new sport routes as well, like who gets to who gets to decide whether they're spicy trad routes or sport routes? Me.
1: Well, that's why we like have that... the, the bolting process of like, community engagement. Now, if you're going to develop a new crag, contact mountaineer in Scotland. They put the question out to the community. The community all feeds back into it, and if everybody says yes, then crack on. But if so, if the community yeah, no, says no, yeah, I know. But if no, one person trad
2: says trad. no, that like, oh, I'd like to try, I could trad all of that, and they go and before it gets bolted, do like these really kind of like spicy hard trad first ascents. Does that mean that he's done or he or she has done some um, first ascents on there? That's now a trad crag. We can't bolt it anymore.
3: Yeah, let's rewind ten years and go to Dunkeld Upper Cave when all the yeah. all the bolts got charred.
2: Yeah.
0: That's the thing. Only it takes one person to disagree with you and uh, with a set of like, bolt clippers and just go chop all the bolts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, that could happen
1: everywhere. Uh, I think, like, for the one person that disagrees with you, they need to... Everybody needs to listen to the consensus of the community. And if the community are saying, that's yeah. a sport crag and not a trad crag...
3: The, the only problem you know, with that, I see, though, is that, you know, opinions change over time. And, uh, you know, like actually, if you look at, like, Scotland right now, there's, like, way more boulders and sport climbers than trad climbers. And, uh, you know, the community is, is going to be largely more in favour of, like, potentially bolting things in the future. So that's yeah. where I think that the traditional ethics kind of, like, maybe should be preserved and that actually it's, you know, maybe it's not so, so much... I mean, for, in certain circumstances, when a, when a crag looks like it maybe is more of a sport crag, you know, that's like definitely a community decision, but there's some things which like the, the classic is like no bolting in the mountains. I think that's really good. You know, yeah. it's like a really yeah. good yeah, ethic that's... to have. Well, it's cause
0: we've, we've not, we've like not got as much rock as they do in like Chamonix and stuff like that. So we can't really afford to start putting bolts in our mountains. Like if you're in the middle of like the Alps where there's hundreds of rock and it all falls down every year mm-hmm. anyway, then I suppose you're in a bit more of a position to put bolts in, but yeah.
1: Ooh, I think we actually came to a consensus.
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: Interesting, wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> uh, to right. be fair, I think it's like, you'd, you definitely, if you, if you didn't agree with us, I think you'd be getting some hate mail from everyone who listens to this podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. There'd be people knocking oh, your door wanting to
1: like... Oh, well, I
2: don't know, I reckon saying that we're not allowed to peg anything anymore is like fairly controversial as well.
1: Yeah, we have definitely annoyed a few people with this one.
0: Definitely. So yeah. any time we yeah. go to the crag from now on, we're not allowed to clip pegs.
2: <laughs> oh no, whenever wow. we go yeah, to the sure. crag from now, we're taking them out. I thought that was the case. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, sorry. We have to take them out of the... <laughs> oh God.
1: <laughs> uh, right. Shall we have the indoor climbing question?
0: Ooh.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so do, do we think that indoor climbing should be seen as its own entity and stop being compared to outdoor climbing
3: yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah. then
2: wasn't out- indoor climbing originally as a training tool for outdoor climbing you think we just shouldn't have these training tools for outdoor climbing anymore
3: no we can but i just think that indoor climbing has evolved into its own separate thing it's still connected to outdoors but i don't think it should necessarily be compared to outdoors
1: yeah so, like, for, for a long time, because indoor climbing was seen as the, the training venue for outdoors, indoor walls were trying to replicate the outdoors where possible. You know, angles of the wall, paint jobs, inset holds. Dream holds climbing holds. Holes designed specifically. Dream climbing holds <laughs> were designed specifically to feel like outdoor rock. They never did, but it's fine. The Gabbro uh, Collection! <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, those days are... Those days are past because indoor climbing has evolved beyond that now. It's just flat panels, uh, featureless panels, crazy, weird, volume-y shapes. Uh, And for those that are wanting to train for outdoors, they don't just go climbing indoors anymore. They use specific training tools like fingerboards, campus boards, uh, circuit boards, uh, all these other wacky, wacky training tools. They don't just go climbing anymore. So I believe that climbing, indoor climbing is potentially being held back from what it could turn out to be by being compared to outdoors and being used still or have been thought of still as just a training venue for outdoor climbing. If you were to allow indoor climbing to evolve into this crazy, wacky, gymnastic, huge, colourful volumes and be totally cool and wacky, uh, people would still have circuit boards and finger boards and campus boards to do their training on.
2: But do you think you would just lose this, like entire kind of client base of climbers, like actual climbers? Why would you lose they're, them?
0: They're, they're not exactly the most profitable bunch, of climbers, are they? I mean, yeah. they're <laughs> classically pretty stingy and.
3: I'm sorry. Like, who, why 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 are we losing climbers? I I I view indoor climbing as a as climbing. I just don't view it as outdoor climbing necessarily, because it's not.
2: No, but um, like if so, if <laughs> climbing walls evolved purely into the kind of, like, parkour, volumey kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I'd maybe go every once in a while just for fun as its own thing, but I certainly wouldn't be a regular customer. I'd much rather go to kind of, like, a dirty basement and um, climb on edges on a slightly overhanging wall. So, like, I, but slight, still set. Like, I'd rather do that than, like, go around in circles on a circuit board kind of thing. Like, I'd, I'd i just like
3: But I don't think that indoor climbers are evolving into purely into purely parkour i think like maybe like one or two examples of walls that have gone to become like a pure competition focused wall but like i would say like 99.9 percent of climbing walls all have a circuit board a campus board a fingerboard a steep training board and a, and a lot of problems set in a style that replicate outdoors as well as the sort of more modern style so I think that, like, I don't think that, I mean, they might be utilising more modern contemporary holds that are competition style, but I still think they are. You know, there's, there's the basic style as well.
2: Yeah, for sure, at the moment. But I think what Robert was trying to say is is that kind of setting of, like, of, like, things that are, are similar to kind of, like, moves you would get outdoors, is that holding the setting back? indoors like should it all just go towards like the really fun run and jumpy but kind of know, style stuff I, I can't like, com- like competition
0: I, I... climbing like shouldn't just be testing people's ability to do parkour like but being not. a good competition climber should be yeah exactly yeah, that's what i'm saying like you yeah. should be a... if you're a good competition climber you should be a good all-rounder you should be good at climbing on a 45 on filthy crimps as much as you're as good as yeah doing like a co- coordination run and jump so it shouldn't just go all the way to one side of the spectrum but
3: yeah i don't i don't think it is and i don't think it will but i think there's a really good i mean like for in, in for indoor climbing competitions right actually there's a really good argument for the way it's gone right because if you were to just purely um focus on like the basic outdoor style pulling on small crimps on a steep board um for your for your difficulty comparison what you would find is the the really light young climbers would be the ones that did really well, yeah? So like, you know, like Ashima Shirashi, you know, when she was like 13 years old, could come and win uh, the World Cup. However, because it's more technical-based, because it's more like movement-orientated, it does, um, it has far more, bias, it goes far more um, towards skill, you know, like you basically do better, over you know if you've got more skill level like if you've put more time into practice over many years and that's why you generally you see like the you know the slightly older competitors are the ones who have been competing for the longest tend to perform perform the best i actually had this conversation with killian fishuber uh like three years ago um over a beer in in like frankenura and yeah. uh and he was saying he was basically saying like the competitors winning the competitions now wouldn't be the same uh, if you you know like if you if the style hadn't changed. So actually, I think that people think that indoor climbing is transforming into this thing that's disconnected from outdoor climbing, but actually, what I see is something kind of slightly different. I just see the indoor climbing adapting to a style that actually um, that. Uh, gives people with the best skill level the advantage. So it's in some ways it's actually still holding true to to climbing at its heart. It's just not the same as rock climbing, if you know what I mean. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I'd almost I'd almost turn this question round and say that like I think outdoor climbers are too focused on just like climbing and crimps in a forty five and really like I think a lot of outdoor climbers have become more rounded and better. I don't want to use the word athletes, but climbers, if they kind of embraced a bit more of the indoor comp oh, style, yeah, they'd
2: have better body awareness for sure. Yeah, because like, like, yeah. you get to learn how to move your bodies in different yeah. ways. Yeah, that's going to yeah. make you a better climber. But I think and
0: I think you get a bit. On you go Robert, go for it. That's
1: kind of where where my thinking is. Is climbing is slowly evolving into you know. These crazy hold shapes and big volumes and a lot more balancey, techy, maybe a bit of the gymnastic side that you never, ever used to get in indoor climbing. You know, before 10 years ago, it was never that. It was always steep walls, small crimps. um, And all it produced was kind of strong people that couldn't move well. Whereas now with the training aids that you've got, and if you allow indoor climbing to evolve into this wacky, crazy thing, then... You will become a much more rounded climber when you do exactly. eventually step back outdoors. Uh, like the gymnastic side of it, that that yeah, that like that complex movement practice that people can get on gymnastic training is so transferable to going out doing some trad climbing. So transferable. Um, so yeah, I think instead of trying to continue to replicate outdoor climbing in the indoor environment. We should completely embrace it, let indoor climbing evolve into what it naturally is going to and use that and the training tools to become more, much more all-rounded climbers.
3: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think that the style of indoor climbing now teaches climbers the skills to learn techniques and movement far better than indoor climbing did before. And although I still think there's, like, a massive transition between modern indoor climbing and uh, outdoor climbing, I think the skills that modern indoor climbing provides are exactly what climbers need to get better at outdoor climbing fast. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that totally.
2: But do you think climbing walls would do better if they they even, like, dropped the name climbing wall like it's no longer a climbing wall it's just like almost like a giant playground that's a, that essentially is used as a like a for gym goers do you think that they would do better as if it wasn't even marketed towards climbing if that makes oh, sense yeah.
1: yeah of course because the climbers the membership climbers that go to a climbing wall do not financially support the climbing wall every climbing wall in the country is propped up by its birthday parties and if by turning into wacky colorful I, crazy actually, stuff Actually,
0: they're going
3: to get more birthday parties. Yeah, that's that's not entirely true though, because you're talking about national, which is UK, but that's not the case in America. Um, like, so I think the the I, I think this is the case. This is what I was told by some business, some climbing wall owners in the states that, um, you know, back in the nineties and early two <clears> thousands, you relied heavily on your birthday parties and your taster sessions. And your yeah. single single session, like one drop in session, you know, uh, for the bulk of your revenue. But what happened, like in the sort of like later two thousands and the two thousand tens and onwards, was actually the the increase in memberships uh, actually overtook what they what they had in the tasters and the birthday parties, and actually they made more money off the regular climbers. Than the others and that's because the the whole business changed uh, and it became much more about your regular members and they made they made they made more money from that so i think it depends on what point you are in your uh in, in your community I, I remember talking to some friends in australia who were talking about opening up a climbing wall and they were saying like how uh, climbing walls in australia just don't make any money and I told them, "Well, you guys are just like five or ten years behind the UK in that respect," and that was five six years ago now. And now there's like, like five ten oh, there's like ten climbing walls in Sydney or something, and there's like, you know, similar in Mount Brisbane. They're just like exploding up. So I think it's just yeah. basically what I'm saying is I just think it's where you're at in your you know, in your evolution of the sport in you know the country.
2: Yeah, hmm. I guess the UK would need more climbers, like climber climbers, to make that.
0: Yeah,
3: but who what? knows? I think it's like ten years behind the, U- the U.S. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think yeah, I think we are maybe starting to see that. You know, if you look at the the bouldering walls, uh, the bouldering venues like TCA and Eden Rock, they're they're rammed, especially TCA newsroom, yeah. rammed with students. And, but is that you know, because where... they're
2: no longer they're they're now. Yeah, making it more modern. Like, they're not kind of, like, gross places to be. They're, like, as far as climbing walls go, very clean, very bright, like, yeah. shiny things, shiny holds. It is more kind of jimmy than, like, your old school climbing wall.
3: But what's wrong so with So if that?
2: it went even more in that direction, it would do better still.
1: I think so, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not just appealing. If you make a climbing wall really bright and and colourful and clean looking instead of this dark, dingy dungeon thing that's covered in chalk dust and you end up dying 40 years early because you've inhaled so much uh, liquid chalk. Uh, I think you'd appeal to a much more wide market. You wouldn't just appeal to the hardcore climbers.
2: But you, you might drop your hardcore climbers in that case.
1: See, I don't think you would drop your hardcore climbers because the the walls that have done that, have gone that way, big, bright and all that, have also, as part of that, introduced much more training aids and that's where the hardcore climbers have all migrated to. And all the walls that haven't
0: invested in training aids have lost their uh, hardcore climbers as a result. We should clarify that, that I don't think hardcore climbers like, specifically enjoy going to dark, dingy places where they're likely to get some kind of, like, yeah. disease. But also, but they're hardcore... They're willing to go there and able to... Yeah. So they can train <laughs> to get better. I'm sure if climbing walls are nice, you're not going to get, like, hardcore climbers being like, it's way too clean in here. Like, I'm not going to get any form of infection from touching the surfaces. But
2: also, and leave. some hardcore <laughs> climbers, they don't want to train on 45-degree walls. They want to go and climb 6As on... Mm-hmm their walls like they don't want to do circles on a lattice board but then you're kind of cutting off that clientele that don't want to do modern kind of jumpy stuff but also yeah they just want to go climbing indoors because it's winter and they can't go outdoors
0: another like an offshoot of this question is do you think so during covid loads of climbers have built home boards yeah like in their, their garage in their living room whatever they're all at the wrong angle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, no, but are all of them going to be like, well, why should I go back to a climbing wall now? Like I've got a 45 in my house. Like I don't need, I can train in my house and I don't need a climbing wall anymore. I think it's a social nah. scene as
3: well. But I, yeah, I, that's I, it. I think one thing that will have come about from uh, the uh, lockdown climbing walls that have been built is people realizing they can train at home. Um, and uh, perhaps you will see a drop in memberships small drop in memberships from people that own their own walls and they might only go to the climbing wall once a week maybe for like a little bit of like social scene you might see a bit of that but i think largely i think climbers are still going to want to go to climbing walls for like new problems new you know new sets and the social scene and the community that you get there like that's the thing in the uk i that climbing walls are the hub of the climbing community um yeah so i think that's still going to be a thing <clears throat> yeah.
2: For and sure, for just for general sure. variety of movement cuz like climbing on a 45 like three times a week it's like ouch yeah. fingers elbows.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So have we have we reached a consensus on this question or
1: I don't I don't
3: know. Uh
0: I don't know.
2: We can we went in I, don't know. I think this yeah. I
1: think it's still an open-ended one. Bit of a tangent yeah. open-ended. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, we, we could leave that to keep the it audience to, Yeah, we can leave that yeah. to the audience to send us in some comments. Uh right mr phillips
3: oh yeah okay yeah
1: so um our (laughs) final super controversial question
3: yeah so this this one's funny i i I don't really know how how best to phrase it really it's kind of what i said earlier um there's been like tons of controversy you know throughout climbing climbers saying they've done things and then being called out there's uh you know some great historical examples john dunn on uh, that 8c plus 9a total eclipse in malum um, amongst yeah. other things john gaskins and the boulder problems rich simpson on action direct and more recently Said belhaj uh, the swedish moroccan climber on action direct which then opened up questions about other things he'd done i'm not saying yes or whether he did it or didn't do it but i guess like fundamentally the question is you know whether or not we need proof to validate our ascents and i think it really i mean i think it goes really goes more deeper into that aspect of like do professional climbers who get paid to climb do they need to video every ascent you know um and like what 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 validates an ascent essentially yeah but then like okay a bit of a to get us
0: dug into this question like it's a kind of idea of sponsor climbers. They they shouldn't just be sponsored because of like the big numbers they're cranking out. Yeah. Like, do all sponsors not like to think that they sponsor climbers because of that climbers like certain values or something? And I don't think many many sponsors would say, "Oh, we only sponsor Robbie Phillips because he climbs like eight C plus or whatever, or nine A or whatever."
2: Yeah, but if your sponsors are <laughs> So why should sponsoring you? Sponsoring th- you on your values, then they're probably going to drop you if you lie.
0: Yeah, but then yeah. why should you? If you're being sponsored on your values, why is there any burden on you to have proof of your sense Is it like guilty till proven innocent? Or <laughs> I mean, I'd extend that and say, is there any any
1: need for you to lie in the first place? Is there any need for you to prove yourself in the first place? Um, like, why if you've gone and done a why why even tell the world?
2: Well, but I mean, I then think that's that you're... like, you're, it's a personal issue, isn't it? Like, mm. as it's not a sponsorship issue. It's a, a definitely yeah. a personal kind of problem.
0: But that's just like, I suppose, that's just like kind of climber banter, though, isn't it? Like, you go to the pub and you talk about, like, what route she climbs, but you wouldn't be expected to turn up at, like, the climbing bar in Margalef with, like, proof that you'd climbed your first 6c plus and like walk around the bar showing it to everyone i think (laughs) it's different if you'd maybe say like you'd maybe go to the pub and say i cranked out this 6c plus and people would be like oh cool nice yeah that's ace if you're doing something crimson
2: breaking i think is different
0: yeah robbie's got here's a video of me climbing (laughs) (laughs) look at my latest bridge look at my latest bridge (laughs) i'm only joking robbie
1: (laughs) like me
3: (laughs) i need validation (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting question because, like you said, like there's loads of people in the past who have said that they've done things and got caught out, or said that they've done things and the majority of people don't believe them or whatever. Uh, but I don't know. There's lots of questions in that. It's like like why? If you were to do that, why would you lie? Why does why does doing that route matter to you? so much that you would lie about doing it and potentially get caught
2: out
3: well because Uh, i mean i mean i I think that it gives a hit to people you know like it people want validated for their assents they want to be accepted um and uh if they can come back and tell their friends that they sent you know this 8a or 8c or 9a whatever whatever grade it is then they get that hit yeah and i think i think well i mean i think that's one reason I think the sponsorship thing is another. I think like some climbers can be um, uh, pressurized into feeling they have to be successful. I know as a sponsored climber myself, um, I know my sponsors don't sponsor me for the grades I climb or my ascents as a as a whole. You know, I think like that has that has you know like the things I've done as a climber um, in the sense has built up um, my. Uh, I don't know, reputation as a climber, but that's not the reason that my sponsors sponsor me. However, I'm going to say this. There are brands that do um, pay more money. Like they'll give an athlete, a climber, a bonus if they hit a target. So, for example, Adidas do that. Like Adidas will pay – they'll put you in a band, yeah, and they'll say, you know, say, for example, you know, I don't know, Climber A – sponsored by adidas he generally climbs you know 8c but he's just managed to climb his 8c plus project they'll be like here is two grand to you yeah adidas do that and that's a thing in the contract it's written up so that really does um give people uh, you know a reason to want to lie because suddenly yeah. there's a financial yeah. benefit now i know that most brands won't do that but adidas do and they do it for football as well if you uh you know if you like score you'll get an extra 200 grand here you know if you yeah whatever you know things like that it's the same as i mean
2: that i mean i think that's like it's the same as winning comp money isn't it like if you do well in a comp you get prize money i don't necessarily think that's a a bad no but i think it is i think
3: it is because you know the bottom line is in football or in competitions there's no doubt about it you know you win everybody saw you won yeah Whereas, yeah. you know, some bloke sponsored by Adidas, rocks up to a crag, climbs his 9A project, has no evidence, goes back home, writes a social media post, says, I climbed 9A. Adidas go, brilliant job. Here you go. Here's all the articles. And then well, wait, where's the proof? Um, I have no proof. So,
2: yeah, I think if you're in it for the money, then you got to have proof. Like, yeah. I oh, yeah, for think sure. That's like very reasonable thing to ask.
0: But then surely, I mean, obviously, it sounds like Adidas are pretty like up front about their like money for grades kind of like or roughly that kind of idea. But I mean, all sponsors are like even if a uh, someone sponsors an athlete for more of their values, like the the grade they climb is still part of that. Maybe it's not as it's not as like blatantly Revelry, obvious yeah. as it is in Adidas, but. So, should they then also be expected to film every single ascent they do, so they have like a catalog to show the sponsor that okay I, I do climb this grade
2: I think it's just if you claim you're doing something that's like groundbreaking, I think you've kind of got to have if you're gonna shout about it, you probably want to have the proof to back it up I don't know if I like
0: i don't, I don't know if I like that I can kind of like will
2: that filter but it doesn't down need into to be a climbers, video it could be but... a like someone who's belaying you as well like i know be...
0: i think video is like the gold standard though because there's been cases where like obviously everyone has a hard sport route has a belayer unless they soloed it so but there's been cases where the belayer has been thrown into question too so then really the only form of like concrete evidence is like a video of you doing it like from bottom to top no falls I'll, I'll, like, That is
3: the gold yeah. standard. I'll, I'll be I'll be dead honest. My opinion on this is that no no proof. Um, we shouldn't we shouldn't have to have like video evidence of us doing climbs. I don't think that's the thing. I don't have like video evidence of like ninety nine point nine percent of my climb climbs. I do have evidence like Beliers who can back me up. But I just I think that it it just like degrades the entire culture of our sport and like it's I actually think it's a route to. Uh, a really negative place where we're just like constantly evaluating everyone based on like the evidence they can give, which I just think is like totally the wrong way to go. Um, yeah, that's that's my opinion on it anyway. Our whole sport has always been based on <clears throat> uh, the,
1: the, the honour system. We always have been. And I think requiring people to have evidence of all their sense completely goes against that. Uh, there are those one or two that are going to take advantage of that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and they, they get called out or they don't get called out.
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. I,
1: I, I've I've got a bigger question that goes along with that then. Who cares? The on, I, I, I believe that the only people who would really care or should really care what somebody else has done is if
0: you're given the money for it, i. e. Yeah,
1: I think
2: that's the one. No, but okay, one I, get, kind of case. I disagree
0: with you, Robert. Because like, if you're at the cutting edge, like if you climbed the first of a new grade, like fair enough, there <clears throat> might not be any money involved, but there's still like if you're pushing the limits of your discipline or your sport, there's still like people might actually care. Like it's interesting to see like someone at the total cutting edge, and they've, like, climbed a new grade or a new route, like, I think that is interesting for everyone, and I don't think there's always money involved with that. So... I st- I still
1: think the question stands, why should you care?
3: Okay, like, care why should... What, why, care like, I,
1: I understand thing. that it's interesting that someone has climbed this, and you might want to watch the video and be like, holy... Like, that's awesome, that's really cool, that's, that's, an, that's a mega cent, but why why should you care what somebody else has climbed you know and uh, on, yeah, on the res- in the same okay. in the same respect of if you're not if you've not got sponsorship and you're not doing this for the money and you go ahead and not climb something but lie and tell the community that you did why are you lying yeah. what why does that root why does lying to the community mean more to you than the climbing like if, like you said Robbie like if there are people who have gone to the community, said they've done this and they're doing it for their own uh, reasons to fit in or be accepted, then I question your dedication to the climbing. If you're only climbing to be part of this and to be part of that you're going to
0: lie about it, I question why you're not even climbing. But like, see, like on the, I, I don't know, I'm kind of but, like taking a bit of offence at your who cares thing because like all of us have watched, I'm sure all of us have watched climbing videos before of other people climbing. Mm -hmm. which is evidence enough that we care about other people climbing that we watch videos of other people climbing maybe it's not always someone at the cutting edge maybe it's someone doing a cool trad route or something like we we fundamentally care about other people's climbing like there's no one that isn't inspired in some way or has some kind of positive takeaway from watching other people climbing so to say who cares i don't think I don't know. I just doesn't really sit right with me. Like, no, I think no, we so... do care about other people's climbing. So, like, like, I I agree with what you're saying. Like, when you watch a video, you there is like
1: little lessons that you can take from it, or inspiration that you can take for it, whatever. Uh, but if someone does not an ascent and doesn't video it, b- what negative has that got on you? What's what's the yeah, difference?
0: like hundred percent. Like, I I agree. Like, I I've got like a massive like thumbs down for like taking videos of people climbing. Like, I think it should be like an honor system of. Mm. Like you just respect that someone has done a route if they say they have and I think that works in like ninety nine percent of the time. But So if like I you think, you've not videoed it, why does somebody care that you've not videoed it? Like why should you, care you not argue Were you consent? not arguing that we shouldn't even tell people you've done an ascent? Like I thought that's kind of what you were talking about.
3: No, you're saying why should people care that somebody doesn't have a video? Is that what you're saying, Robert? Why should somebody care if you don't have a video?
1: Yeah, like if you if yeah. you do an ascent and you say to the world I did this ascent and you don't have a video, why? Did, well, why did well, I think I think,
3: I think I think I'm going to use the most recent example is Said Belhaj on Action Direct. Um, so he said he did Action Direct, and then somebody called him out on it. He didn't have a video. He didn't have a video of it. He didn't even have a belier that he could put up, put forward to yeah. to agree with them. And he's sponsored by various companies. The professional climber, and uh, and then suddenly the whole community is asking, "Oh, well, you know, you know, like did he did he or didn't he do it?" I mean, you could argue like, who cares? I mean, like I I don't personally care, but a lot of people do. I think that's an interesting it's an interesting conversation. Everyone's everyone thinks kind of slightly differently on it. But at the end of the day, he's paid to be a climber, so. You know, like his his word has got value to it, um, yeah. and if yeah. you can, if, if if suddenly like if his word ha- doesn't have value to it, then why is he being paid to be a climber? You know, like you, then you have to like you know start looking into other things. Actually, Bahalj is a good example because then he started I think a few examples. So then from history on his part, some people were like, well, actually, this route never had a billier either or a video neither did this one and neither did this one and then it was like oh shit he's been lying to us for years but i'm not i'm not saying he has i'm definitely not saying he has yeah yeah it's just saying that's what it seems like so that's why i think that's why people care because it feels like they've been lied to I get
1: it. I get it that people care when they find out they've been lied to, or they think they've been lied to. I, like, I, I, completely get that because that, that sucks. Like, if you read something and you're like, "Oh my god, they did that route," and, and then you find out that they didn't actually do that route, then you're like, oh, "Well, I got lied to." Why? Like, I don't understand. But my, my question is like a little bit deeper than that. Why should you care what that person went and climbed?
2: Yeah, if we put less emphasis on it, if we didn't care as much, then they wouldn't be so inclined. I know but to lie.
3: People invest a but lot no, but in like... other people. Like that's that's na- that's nature human nature. Like you invest like I don't know, like I I on Instagram, you know, like someone posts something, I I'm invested a little bit of my energy into that person's story, you know? and yeah, um, yeah. you feel you feel something emotionally for that person. I know, you know, I, friends of mine when they've done things, I mean so flip in sight for them and you know, I don't know, like, you, you, there is an emotion there. So, so that, I think, is partly something to do with it as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, yeah. that,
0: that's, like, that, that's why we care. It's because we're human beings and, like, we like to share in other people's, like, successes and also, like, mourn with them when they're sad and stuff like that. Like, even, like, without the video, that's why we care about other people's ascents. I think maybe what you're thinking, Robert, is why do we care if people are climbing really, really hard or not really hard? Yeah.
1: Or no. Yeah. yeah. Why why, why does their performance matter to you?
2: Yeah. But I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what grade it is. Like, it's annoying to feel like you've been lied to, whether someone's lied about climbing 6C or whether they've lied Mm -hmm. about climbing, like, 9A. It's just the, like, yeah, you are going to be a little bit invested either way.
0: Probably ultimately because someone's wanting to take the best and the worst. They're wanting to in their successes but never have any like bad stories or losses or like uh, failures that's the right word yeah and no, people get annoyed when when people aren't genuine like that what yeah. was the f- initial question i kind of forgot
3: <laughs> i mean is it just, just do we do we require evidence uh for all our sense uh, or for for most of our sense or for our hardest sense do we do we require that i, I mean like and it, I mean, my opinion is, no, we don't. And I think that if we were to go down that line where we were asking for evidence, it would be a route to um, oh, just a very negative you know, attitude in the community. And you know, I just, I just don't think it'd be a good way to go down. I actually think for the number of people that do get away, like as Robert said, for the number of people that do get away with stuff like this, it's just not worth you know like you know ruining our our, our culture and climbing where we just rely on people's honesty and and trust yeah i think that's yeah. the bottom line for me anyway yeah although a
0: little can... part of me does want to see robbie filming every single handhold and move and the next big wall he does yeah. so that we can make sure he doesn't <laughs> cheat on it
1: well i mean he's putting out a video every week now he's going to need some like yeah. content.
3: <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you want me to tell you an honest story? Do you want me to tell you a funny one? Right? Um, yeah. So when I was in Seus with, uh, on a um, like uh, years and years and years ago, probably like 2010 or something, and uh, I was trying this route called the Black Bean, which is a 70 meter single pitch, and in the last 10 meters of the climb, I like did this move to the sloper hold. And I got it solid, and I was just moving up to the next hole, and my hand slipped, and in slow motion, I fell off and grabbed the quick draw. And I stood there with the quick draw in my hand. and I remember thinking, "Nobody can see me up here.") <laughs> <laughs> I was up there. It was in my hand. I was like, I could just pull on right now and no one would know because no one was watching me. The billiard was all the way down there. It was like, the wind was like, whoo-hoo. I was like, I could just grab this hold <laughs> and continue to the top. And I, I remember <laughs> I thought about it for about two seconds and then I went, take, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i mean i think we'd all be lying if we hadn't all been in that position at some point like there's a very fine line between those who haven't lied about a sense and people that have like we've all been on the very edge of yeah. that of like yeah being next yeah. to the cam and just like wanting to put your hand in the loop and just like yard on it for a second when you're scared or like things <clears throat> like like that or like on sport routes just kind of wanting to like Hold on to the if you're at like the bolt, hold on to the rope a little bit and just like sit back to take like a little bit of the weight off of your arms, kind of thing, like little sneaky things. Yeah, what that, that, are, that like classic it's all where you've been like that bleh, classic just where you on clip the a quick
1: draw and put your middle
0: finger in it and just hang there for just a
1: second, yeah. like
2: ah, oh, before you put the rope. In. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what are um what are people's thoughts about in winter climbing when you just put some snow above a nut and then hook it with your ice axe? That's <laughs> like legit, yeah. <laughs>
3: oh that's brilliant i mean it, winter climbing is aid climbing essentially you're using axes well, yeah, well yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. anything yeah. goes
0: oh
1: right that is the most controversial <laughs> point of this entire thing is winter climbing just aid climbing wow <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> that can be wow. the question for next
1: i actually
3: next think it, i actually think this we go back in time back to robert's original question what is the purest form of climbing mm. And actually, if you think about it, based on this, bouldering is the most purest form of climbing because it's the one that you can't really cheat on as much. You know, like there's there's no gear. You know? Ooh. You can't grab a quick draw. You know? You you can't you know I don't know, like there's no way you can like knee bar yeah. the rope to like give yourself a little bit extra rest. Like I mean, Does you that can...
0: mean there's a lot of ways to cheat in winter climbing?
3: There's tons of ways to cheat in winter climbing. Oh, yeah. Winter climbing <laughs> is aid climbing. It's all just cheating. <laughs>
1: Sink your axes in and just sit on your lanyards for a little bit. Yeah, cheating.
3: Yeah, I actually did oh. fall off an aid climb. Sorry, an aid climb, winter climb. I actually did fall off a winter climb directly onto my leashes and the axe held, and I just got back on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, even better. Like the leashes and ice actors have little bungee cords, so you fall off and you get like a bit of a bounce back up.
3: <laughs> Ask Guy Robertson about that. That actually happened.
0: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Right, should we should we call it there so we don't run I, too long? Yeah, I think we should. But that was that was excellent. That was yeah, good. That was good. <laughs> to round up, though, I think did we? There was only two of them we had pretty solid answers for, so.
2: We're never replacing pegs.
0: Never, no one can ever replace <laughs> a peg, and none of us yeah. can clip them ever again. But yeah. we're not putting yeah.
2: bolts. Yeah.
0: But we're not putting bolts in. Uh, what was the first question again?
3: The purity, the purity of climbing on sign. Oh, we, we didn't, didn't really agree on that, sense. did we? Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: number three was indoor.
2: I think we kind of agreed that there should just be a, a mix. Still, that it shouldn't all go in one direction or the other. Yeah. And then the
0: last question was we don't like anyone that films themselves when they're climbing. Was that it? No, I, I think... I
3: think, <laughs> I think we all, all agree that I just think that it's a bad, bad route to go down. I think we should just trust, trust people. And for the couple, two or three people every now and again who lie, we just let them away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Unless yeah. there's like, money involved. Unless yeah. there's Unless money someone's involved. someone's like, so, job, yeah. So I guess we're I mean, all in likely, agreement yeah, Saeed yeah.
3: didn't do Action Direct. <laughs> Whoa!
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, winter climbing is AIDS climbing.
1: Oh, yeah, winter climbing yes. is aid climbing. The general
2: consensus. Yeah, I
0: like that.
1: Alright, uh, for everyone that's listening to this, if you absolutely, wholeheartedly disagree with us, if you're sitting there fuming, red faced, seething, send us an email. S- leave us a Facebook comment. Yeah, Yeah. get in touch with us. Let
0: us know what you thought. If you're fuming, send Robert an email. If you like the podcast, send me an email.
3: Yeah. And subscribe to my YouTube channel. (laughs) Robert
1: Orcallum at mountaineering.scot. Let us know what you think. Uh, We will bring this to you. We'll try and do a panel show every 10 episodes, five episodes, something like that. Mm. Yeah, something like that. Whenever we can. Uh, But this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, guys.
3: Yeah. Cheers see
1: you guys cool right see you guys later bye well that was excellent we got into some really good stuff there thank you so much to Rebecca Drummond and Robbie Phillips for joining us for that chat Uh, hope we didn't say anything too offensive Uh, if we did or you've got any uh, comments on any of the topics that we talked about, again, please just send us an email, leave us a Facebook comment, or send us a message on the Climb Scotland Facebook. Um, Hope you enjoyed that episode. Again, massive thank you to those two for sitting down with us. We will try and bring you a panel show similar to this every five or ten episodes. Uh, It'll depend on whether we get people to do it with us. But I think that is something we're going to do from now on Uh, because they are a lot of fun i hope you do agree so i hope you enjoyed that podcast everyone Uh, once again once we get back out there once we get back to the crags once the walls reopen we can get back out please do your buddy checks